Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. So, uh, we're beginning today to jump into Matthew in our Living Brilliant series because Jesus was the most brilliant light that has ever come to planet Earth. Uh, Jesus spoke the most brilliant things. He illuminated life in the most, um, you know, just amazing ways. And, and we get to experience the brilliance of Jesus, um, not as a historical story, but as a present tense reality. And today, um, I want us to, to, to know that in Matthew 17, 15 through 20, Jesus gave us a window to look through and kind of evaluate and filter uh, some things in life. But he didn't leave us there. Jesus also uh, gave us a mirror to look into and to discover some truths about ourselves. Because the simple truth is, we need to be careful about who we let speak for God in our lives. Because not everything is what it appears to be. And in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20, Jesus told his people, his congregation, watch out for false prophets. Now, this isn't about being suspicious. Uh, this isn't about being, you know, critical consumers who are ranking and rating people based upon their speaking ability, their style points, um, you know, the emotion that they communicate with. Jesus is just saying, I want you to watch out for false prophets. I want you to filter um, and to receive what is true and reject what is false. He's not talking about our teachability. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then in the change of your heart from self-guided and self-loving, uh, you became teachable. So, so this isn't, again, about being critical. It's not about, um, it's not about placing yourself above. It's about, as a humble learner, learning from the right people. Watch out, Jesus said, for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly. So here we begin to see the distinction between appearance and inward reality. Inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. So not everything is what it appears to be. Jesus, how do we then tell who's who and what's what? Jesus gives us a way. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, in, in the world, we love flash and sizzle. We love charisma and style. Um, we love appearance and show. And there are people who are able to live their whole life based not on substance, but on charm. Anybody met anyone like that? You know, they're the life of the party. They're, uh, you know, they're the person who could just charm you know, the socks off a shoe salesman. I mean, that's just who they are. But Jesus said we're to live in such a way that instant is not us. We're to live in such a way that we are not looking for 
um, snap judgments based on the moment, but the, we know that reality takes time to appear. And so we filter and we protect, but we do so not based on the way the world does things. The world looks at outer appearances and makes instant assessments. God says, no, no, there's, there's a different plan that I have for you, and the way you're going to know is by their fruit. This summer, uh, we got to drive out to California, um, and I think that's about as long a road trip as I care to take. <laughs> think I'm done. Um, and we were driving through uh, some of the the Southern California fields where you have desert, and then the irrigate, and then you got everything. You've been there, right? Well, my agricultural base of knowledge is is amazing. I mean, it's just... In fact, I just need to sit down with some of you and just impress you with my knowledge. Um, It goes something like that. Uh, That's green, and that's not. That's pretty much the extent. I can't tell what's what. My grandfather, uh, when I was young, I can remember being in the car a couple of times. We'd be driving by fields, and he'd say, well, that's sorghum. That's this. That's that. You know, and I'm going, it all looks the same to me. Now, corn, I can kind of tell, right? But you get trees, fruit trees, and there were just acres and acres and acres of fruit trees. And, and we had no clue. In fact, we played for about an hour a game of guessing what that tree was. And the way, reason it was so hard was because it wasn't the season for most of those trees. It wasn't the season for them to have fruit. Now, when there's fruit hanging on them, uh, you can look at the green and you can look at the trunk and you can pretty much tell what it is. But without the fruit, you can't tell. So Jesus... Uh, says, I want you to look for the fruit. And you got to understand, fruit takes time. One of the things that I hate that we have done in Christian culture is that we've falsely communicated um, instant, and we have done a disservice to process and growth. Um, And we've kind of communicated to people that if you follow Jesus, everything is instant from that moment. Now, the, the partial truth is, When you follow Jesus, everything instantly begins to change. But the best analogy, of course, Jesus gave in John 3 when when he said, you know, you you have to be born again. How many of y'all are mamas here? Okay. You know, when you uh, first held that screaming bundle, oh joy, was the child finished? Or was it just beginning? Everything had changed, you know. I mean, everything had changed uh, for a long time. But, but the point is that in Jesus, um, God begins growth that is supernatural, that is over time, that is real world, real life, um, that, that produces real change uh, that, that will make what is true inside, you know, be apparent outside. So Jesus says, you know a false prophet by their fruit. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? And the answer is? Um, or figs from thistles? And the answer is? Because again, this is about, about recognition. And when we see thorns on a tree, we make the connection. This is not probably something that will be good to eat from the appearance. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. So now Jesus is making a connection between what something is at its core 
and what it does with its life. If something is a good fruit tree at its core, if that is its nature, then it is going to produce fruit. It must do so. And by the same token, a bad tree bears bad fruit. Why? Because what it does comes from what it is. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And of course we know that Jesus is not talking here, um, you know, uh, uh, about orchards. He's talking about the human heart. And he's making a strong connection about the integrity uh, in the kingdom of heaven between what is inside and what is outside. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus says the same thing uh, in a slightly altered way in John 15, but he's very clear that, that everyone who is his follower must bear, will bear good fruit. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. So as Jesus was preparing to make his journey to the cross, he put the church, his body, on guard to watch out for false prophets. He told us that, that we, as his people, need to filter. We don't need to be suspicious. We don't need to be judgmental. We don't need to be unteachable. We need to be open, but we need to be wise, and we need to filter who we allow speak, to speak for God in, in our lives. And then he told us how we do that. What I want to share with you this morning as we look first through the window of this passage and, and begin to get a filter uh, that, that God would, would show us uh, how to, to do this best is that we should listen to people whose lives show they listen to Jesus in a way that costs them something. How do we know what a good shepherd is? How do we know what a false prophet is? Well, well we, we should listen to people who, who we know listen to Jesus. And the fruit, the result, the, the, the effect of their life is, is self-evident. And, and we know that, that they listen to Jesus because, like Jesus, their life costs them something. I love what Martin Luther said, we shared it last week, that a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. But faith in Jesus that is real and whole heart um, costs something. It costs the whole heart. You see, the key is self-interest. And in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, Jesus gave his followers um, a clearer understanding of who he was and how to, to know after that he ascends in heaven, how to know who is speaking for him and who isn't. And so in John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It costs him something. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. And the phrase, own the sheep, understand uh, what that, that means. It means that the sheep cost the shepherd something. That he has an interest in them that is, that is um, so great that he has allowed it to cost 
So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The guy who has no cost investment in the sheep, um, man, he's, he's there for self-interest. His interest is not the sheep. His interest is in himself. So the wolf comes. The wolf begins to threaten uh, you know, his own well-being, and he's out of there because that's what he's interested in, himself. Whereas the good shepherd is interested in the sheep and lays down his life for the sheep. The man, the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Guys, self-interest reigns in a self-serving heart and in the heart of a false prophet. Philippians 2.21 says, For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That's the way of the world. You know, the way of the world is we look out for who? Number Number what? Number one, I mean, that's self-interest. That's the heart of, of the kingdom of the world, but it's not the heart of the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy 4.3 3 says, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Again, pause there for a second. Um, unfortunately, throughout Christian history, people have divided and killed each other over the definition of sound doctrine, and we've gotten all pompous and, and righteous about it and hateful towards other people who disagree with us. But I would just suggest to you that sound doctrine is that which sounds like Jesus. If it sounds like what he said and matches up to what he said, then it's probably sound doctrine and you probably don't need to be mad at anybody else about it. But they will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, listen to what the scripture says, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So it is in our nature to, to want to please our own flesh and it is in our nature to serve our, our own interests. Jesus slams humanity into the reality of the cross and there he bids them come and die. Many see the cross and stay uh, you know, in, a, in a safe distance away and they become religious knowing the language of the cross and the knowledge of the cross but never having passed through the cross they do not die to themselves and come out on the other side with a changed heart. We are not going to be a group of religious people. We're not going to be a, a group of, of acculturated, you know, 21st century denominational uh, people who, who know stuff in our heads that doesn't change how we, we live in, in our hearts. Jesus will speak through people who've given him their broken hearts and who are letting him build and rebuild their broken lives. So, um, you will hear people speak with great charisma and great flash and, and maybe uh, profound eloquence. And I, I say to you that you need to watch out for false prophets. One of the distinctives we have as, as uh, you know, a, you know, a, a people with, a, with Baptist roots is that we believe in the power of the word of God to speak to every believer. And, and we call it the priesthood of the believer. What that means is, is that you read the word of God for yourself and you don't have to have a priest other than Jesus standing between you and his word. So as you read the word and as you hear it, know this, 
that, that people who listen to Jesus, the, the teachers that you should invite into your life, and, and even though they are broken and imperfect people, no one walks on water except Jesus and Peter for a moment, um, you know? Um, everybody is broken and everybody needs to be redeemed. We're all in this together. There's no two class of, of holy people and then the rest of us. No, it's just, it's just broken people who know Jesus and broken people who don't, but we're all broken. But people who listen to Jesus um, are going to sound like Jesus. They're going to serve like Jesus. They're going to love like Jesus. They're going to live like Jesus and give like Jesus because they have the heart of Jesus. And so until he comes, we as his followers will listen to those who, uh, whose lives show that they are listening to Jesus. And, and they're letting it cost them in a way that is real and, and in a way that is from the heart. Because you see, it's all about the heart, not appearances. It really is. Our, our whole faith is, is not about how things look. It's about how things really, really are. And, and this world is all about appearances. Guys, I would ask you, do you put more time and effort into managing your appearance in, the, in front of people than you do in terms of surrendering your heart in front of God? We're all about appearances. We all want to look good. Ladies, I just want to apologize on, be, on behalf of all mandom for all time for the, uh, the burdens that we put on you that make you feel like your whole worth based on, is based on, on how you look. And we artificially create a poundage that if you fit in, you're great. But if you don't, you know, um, you're out. I don't think God appreciates his daughters being treated like that. You know, I, I, just, I just don't. And, and to have to spend so much time and so much energy and to have so much of your self-worth based on how you appear, it's just so shallow and exhausting. And, and a whole lesson in missing the point because the whole point is, who are you? I mean, who are you really? And to be able to not uh, do all the, the exhausting work of, of maintaining appearances. It's, it would be kind of like standing around all day with a brick in each arm, working so hard to, to maintain the appearance of competence or uh, attractiveness or power or significance or security or whatever, and, and it's just exhausting having to maintain that effort and energy, and, and there's just a whole different way that we are called to live from the heart and not from appearances. For Samuel 16, 7 um, is, is a great story. It's the story of Israel choosing a king. And God never wanted Israel to have a, a king. God wanted to be the king of Israel. Uh, he wanted his people to trust him. But we being who we are, we said, yeah, God, we know what you want, but we, we know what we want and we're going to do what we want. And so we did. And so they selected a king. They're in the process of selecting a king in 1 Samuel. And Samuel uh, is the name of a prophet. Um, his mother, Hannah, had prayed uh, to the God who hears and asked for a child and said, I'll give him back to you. And, and so Samuel's name is a combination of Shema, he hears, with Ael, God, God hears. 
And the implication is not only that God hears, but being named Samuel as a prophet of God, that Samuel is a man who hears God. So here is Samuel, and they're coming to the family, um, you know, to, to choose Israel's first king. And Samuel sees this guy named uh, Eliab. And Eliab was a good-looking guy. I mean, I don't know. He may have been as handsome and attractive as I am. I don't know. I don't know. No, he was one of those guys. He, he probably had Fabio's hair, you know. You know what I'm saying. Um, and, and he was probably about six foot five and, and about this wide and arms like tree stumps, you know, and, and just a handsome guy. And, and I mean, like, people are looking around and, and thinking, like, who's the obvious choice for king? Everybody's going, it's him. And that guy's got it. He's got charisma. All the ladies were, oh, you know, he's, he's just there. And, and so even Samuel, whose whole life is about listening to God, falls into the way of the world and says, hey, that's got to be the guy. Most powerful guy, best looking guy, most eloquent guy. Eliab has to be it. And then God shows up. And he says, do not consider Eliab's appearance or his height because I have rejected him the Lord does not look at the things that man looks at let that sink in man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart guys it's all about the heart not appearances everything is when Jesus has your heart the whole spirit of your life begins to change and you don't have to work at looking Christian and acting Christian. You just be what you are. And it is such a joy to not have to front. It's such a joy to not have to pretend and to worry about how you look. This is, this is the energy that most people expend uh, psychologically when they walk into a room. People walk into a room and they read the room, just like a computer. And, and here's the way it works with most people. They walk into the room and they, they unconsciously or consciously think, What's it going to take to be acceptable in this room? And then they begin to create that, whether, um, you know, whether it has to do with thinking up comments or how to interact or whatever, but it's all about how do I um, maintain an acceptable persona in the presence of these people? Why? Because I want and slash need their acceptance. That's exhausting. And it's not the way your Heavenly Father wants you to be. Your Heavenly Father wants you to know that it's all about the heart. It's not about appearances. Uh, that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. So that if there's bad fruit, you don't need to say, Oh, well, you know, there's something wrong out, out here. No, the something wrong tracks all the way back to the heart. We take care of the heart. We've taken care of everything. And when, when we give Jesus our heart, when, when we really go beyond religion and, and everything else, when we give him our heart, then, then everything else comes out just, just real. In fact, um, a simple question here, all right? Um, when I squeeze this sponge, what comes out? How do you know this is Water. Okay, all right, let's try that again. Take two. When I squeeze this sponge, what comes out of it? Okay, wait a minute, I heard it here. What is it? Whatever's in it. 
And the same is true for all of us. So we, as a Christian culture, spend so much time acting Christian. Stop it. You don't have to act anything. Get the heart right, everything else flows. In fact, when we have the heart right, when we have the heart of Jesus, and when our heart is given to him, the scripture says that we will have his heart, and the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And this is just so critical. So, so here's what I want you to know, that it, we know what something is by what it does, the effect it has over time. Jesus said you'll know the fruit um, when, when, when you give it time to, to become a parent. So, so that's the window. Now let's move over to the mirror. And, and as, I, as I look at the words of Jesus, and, and as I, I look at them, again, I don't take the words of Jesus and take them to say that I must be critical and, and suspicious of everyone who would teach me about Jesus. No, I... I have to now look to my heart. And I believe with all my heart that what Jesus is saying is that what is lived is what's loved. It's a simple equation. It's not complicated. We, we are broken people and a part of what's broken is this disconnect between inner and outer. All right? And, and the world spends most of its energy on on projecting an outer reality that does not match what's inside. We act. We pretend. And, and the truth is that you look to your living to see what you're loving. Jesus said, every good tree bears good fruit, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. You see, when I sin, I, I still want to maintain the fiction that I'm okay inside. I just, had, I just made a mistake. no. When I do something bad, it's because my heart is. Y'all pretty quick with that, you know. <laughs> but it's true. I don't want to hear that. You know, what I want to say is, well, I made a mistake. No. I, my heart was in a, a wrong place, a bad place. You see, actions matter primarily because they are the great revealer of the heart. That's what Jesus is saying all through this. Our actions matter because they are the great revealer of the heart. And, and the, 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 the trouble is that sin uh, uses our actions as the great concealer of the heart. So all the time we are doing things in sin on planet earth as broken people to conceal what we really think, what we really feel, what we really love. And there's this huge energy-draining, life-sucking disconnect between what is real on the inside and what is on the outside. And in the kingdom of heaven, one of the things that the blood of Jesus does is it does away with all of that disconnection and it, and it completely makes transparent and unifies inner and outer life. They're, they become one. You see, one of the great diagnostic questions of life is, what is my heart doing with God right now? Is it running? Is it hiding? Is it seeking? Is it hating? Is it rejoicing? Is it hoping? What is my heart doing with God right now? But we will not get to the heart of things. And we're, we're spending so much effort and energy. Um, it's kind of like this. Let's say you wanted to, to kill a tree. And, and your plan to kill a tree is to pick one leaf off at a, at a time. 
It's exhausting. Could it be done? I don't even think it could be done because by the time you got to one side of the tree, if it's a big tree and got all the leaves off, they'd be growing on the other. Now, there's a thing called ringing a tree. You can simply walk around it and, and cut in the layer under the bark and, and it will die. And in a similar fashion, most of us here are spending an inordinate amount of effort focusing on our exterior actions not realizing that the truth lies in the heart. And, and that if we would just get to the heart of things, things could change so much quicker and so much better with so much more freedom. What we live, it's really what we love. And, and that's why at the judgment day, our actions will be judged, not because it was an issue of earning, but because actions are an issue of revealing. You see, what's loved is what God will judge. It's what's judged. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's pretty severe. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. The challenge today is to start from the heart. The challenge today is to stop putting so much time and effort and energy on the externals, on appearances, on, on you know, the outside of things. The, the challenge today is in every moment, uh, you, you, you go to the heart of the matter at the beginning of every conversation, every argument, um, of every job that you do, of every, everything that you do, you, you get to the heart of it and you start there. What is my heart doing with God right now? And the first thing that I need to do before I preach, the first thing I need to do before I have an argument with Marsha, the first thing I need to do uh, when I wake up in the morning is give my heart to Jesus. To love him first and, and to make sure that he has my heart because if he has my heart, then, then he's got everything else. I don't have to worry about all the appearances. You know, an apple tree does not have to work really, really hard to grow apples. Imagine an orange tree that's trying to grow apples. You know, I'm going to make apples. Oh, I'm failing. This is terrible. I've got to make apples. This is so hard. Well, it is hard when it's not what you are. But I seriously doubt if the apple tree is straining to make apples. I seriously bet there's not just some sense of just natural joy in fulfilling created purpose. So guys, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus Christ, your whole spiritual life can change. Your whole experience of you can change uh, when you drop all the exterior effort to maintain appearances and you just let Jesus have your heart and change your heart and then from your heart you live his heart. And that's the invitation. The uh, worship team is gonna play a, a, a great song that tells a story about how good our Father is. And I'm gonna challenge us to move beyond religion and to move beyond comfort and appearances. I know that in times like this, there are some of us who goes, well, I don't wanna get up and go to one of the stations or go to the cross. I don't wanna come down here and kneel and pray because of how it might appear to other people. But I'm gonna ask during the whole time of this song that this would just be a time of getting our hearts right, getting to the heart of the matter and letting things change from the inside out. Um, and, and for this just to be a moment where you give your heart 
to love the Father. That's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your strength, your, 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 your mind. Um, and, and, and then, man, when you've given your heart, then you'll love your neighbor as yourself. So the whole time, uh, this holy moment, I'm asking for you to let your faith cost you something, uh, your pride and whatever, and I'm gonna ask you to, to get to the heart of what matters and kneel before God, pray before God, and just deal, get your heart into the presence of Jesus. Let the Heavenly Father wrap His arms around you. Thank you for joining us today at the Church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.